Here we are. Take it home. Lawyer talk. Off the record. But on the air. I like the intro. Jared does a good job with it. No, you wouldn't guys wanna wanna let the beard do it, let me tell you. Uh, you I'm know, gonna, I'm gonna come I'm gonna come hard. Come hard in the paint. And then people are gonna be like, Why is Jeff not doing that intro? People always want more beard. They do. You sneak in. You yeah. sneak in. People are listening like, who's that? That's the beard. Yeah. It's almost like if he does too much more, people won't want it as much. But just a little bit more. <laughs> it's like that. It's like your your brother's friend that's okay to play with for a little while, but you're like, man, that kid gets annoying after a while. You, just You do any activity with the kids. You always cut it short just after they start to really love it because then they want to come back. Mm. Yeah. What are we talking about today, boys? This is Back to Basics. This is Lawyer Talk Back to Basics. This is going to be uh, what a unique experience the three Lawyer Talk stars mm. got to go try a case. And, and Jared, you saw it. It was an up. incredible experience for me. It was, it was an incredible experience. It was done in, in, in real time. Yeah. And I saw it go from beginning, middle, to the end. Mm-hmm. And uh, there were things that I'm, I'm very grateful that you guys allowed me to uh, be a fly on the wall, to uh, be a fly in the soup at times, to, to be around for the whole project and the process that you gentlemen go through. I witnessed these guys do an unbelievable amount of work. The, the hours that were put in, the, the lengths that you guys went through in this case was, was, was just something that, that is, it's, I learned a lot of things. I, 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 and I'm continuing to learn a lot of things through it. It was just something, it was an experience that not everybody gets because Mm -hmm. (laughs) Who the hell's Dick Wolf? Law and Order's got nothing <laughs> on what actually happens and yeah. how it happens. And everything that goes through it when you think it just the ups and downs. You know, I mean I, 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 I I'll let you I'll let you guys kick in on there. I I'll, I will talk on this because I had I mean I had an an amazing number of it was how long was it a few weeks really of hard of the hard I mean you guys have been working on it for longer than that as well over well, a year here, but it came down to like a three week period a three one weeks, a yeah. three or four week one month plus of intense work yeah so the backstory <clears throat> is we we have this podcast and there's no secret that we've been telling the tales of the Blinsky Chronicles and talking about DUI3, all the stuff we like to do on the podcast. And then came this time about a month ago where we just said to Jared, we're going to be busy for a while. And you're like, well, what are you doing? Well, we got this trial coming up. And it's, uh, it's a big trial. It's, um, it's going to happen in about a month. And we just got a whole lot of work to do. And we were talking about doing a focus group and, and getting and doing some other things and, and you were going to be part of that, but then you were just sort of listening. So we deputized him. We, we made you an, inf, an official investigator for us. 
as I was listening in, going through, and you were talking, it, I was very interested. You asked me, you're like, now are you going to be a part of the subject group, uh, the focus group? And I said, I can, I can replace myself. You know, if not, if I was going to be part of the focus group, I needed to leave the room. I had to walk away. I was no longer going to be able to really hang out because this was going to involve your life. And I started there. And then at one point you leaned back and you said, Jared, well, that, I just I have to hire you to do this the right way. So you hired me as one of your investigators. Mm-hmm. And, it was, and it's not just a throwaway either. I mean, I can't say that you, your contribution was as important as anybody else's that, that helped us in our team that worked it up. I mean, it, it, having, it sort of made me realize that maybe sometimes having an outsider in, looking yeah. in on some of the stuff is invaluable. And in a lot of ways, I mean, this case for me started a year ago. And I've been working it up. Now, so if somebody comes in and they have a case. The, sometimes I know, Joe, I mean, we know sometimes like this might be a trial. Yeah. But you don't ever know for sure if the case is going to resolve, if there's going to be a plea bargain, if it'll get dismissed, who knows. But this came in about a year ago. And I remember thinking when it came in, this is 80-20, I'm in trial. Yeah, this is probably zero chances of getting resolved. Just not going to – and I'm not going to give any details. Uh, maybe – I don't know what I'm going to do. But yeah, stuff may come out. But I remember thinking this is probably going to trial, which means we go into a mode early on hmm. of trial preparation. And that means get our investigator on tap now because witnesses fade. You got to get people interviewed. You know, I mean, I love to say that the the state is going to do everything – that it can to get to the bottom of it. But frankly, they're not going to investigate our side of the case. They think they got it right by the time the person's charged. So we started up our case. You know, that meant investigation. That meant uh, discovery demands. That meant smoking out and digging up as much information as we could early on. And then you send out uh, requests for phone records if you need them for if we need photographs of stuff, we get that done. And then you get the file sort of worked to the point where you can't really do much more until you get to the next phase, which is motions to suppress if there are any, that like legal challenges in court. And then we got through that phase of it. And then you get to the next sort of delay phase where not much happens until you're ready to try it. And depending on the court system or the what county or wherever you are, that may happen sooner, it may happen later. And or you, in this situation... There were some personal issues on my end that got in the way. There were some legal or some scheduling conflicts on the judge's end that got in the way, on the prosecutor's end that got in the way. So you kick the can about a year down the road, and here we are trying to get 511 production set up, and I'm telling you, I'll see you in a couple months. (laughs) Instead of taking off, you helped. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And you got to see what our office does to prepare I became consumed in it. You, I had, I was reading through all of the reports, listening to 911 calls. You're reading DNA evidence. You're finding out all the characters that played, the location, the time, who was there, who was interviewed, reading their interviews. In this case, there was, like Bill had told me, he's like, you don't get this all the time, Jared, where there was another hearing before that, that people under oath is now, now we've got, they said this under oath, they said this in their report. The off, this officer wrote this, and you're just reading through, looking for discrepancies, looking for changes, looking for why did we get here, and going through with it. And 
I was just reading it constantly. And, and you told me, you're like, Jerry, there's this pesky thing about disclosure. So I'm sitting at home reading through things, and I can't tell Shorty I, I, she, I, I, yeah. what I'm doing, what I'm reading through, who it's about, or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, if you, you became part of our team, and as a consultant, investigator, or doing whatever, and you actually did, I, we did, we might have used the word gumshoe. We did. You yeah, did some gumshoe gum. for us where we needed stuff done. Like go, go check into this. Get a take a look at this. Go by this area, and report back. And once you once you sort of entered that, you're part of the privilege. You're part of the confidential relationship that we have on our team with our client. And I, I it means you can't just go talk. And it, it's hard, right? Because you you, you want to go. You want to tell somebody what you're doing, yeah, and you can't really tell them what you're doing. But on that, Shorty did come to the focus group that we, that, that that you put on, which I've been a part of one before. We've talked about it in other episodes. Yep. And so I'm listening to you. We're going over things. We're talking about difference. This this case had a lot of holes in it. It had a lot of holes that could lead you down different roads. And you guys were deciphering these roads and picking the best path to walk on. And I remember we were sitting in your office on that Saturday, and you're talking about cross-examination and the characters that you're going to have to talk with. And as you were coming across with something, in my head, somehow, I became that officer. We had just listened to the recording of the interview. So now you're asking questions about the interview. And I took from what I heard and how that person reacted and how he talked and how he was. In my mind, I became him. And when Steve would say something, I would tell him why I did that. I did, and it was just a really – you never said, hey, today, Jared, we're going to role play. You're going to be this guy. You're going to be that. And, and, Jeff, it happened with you. I saw you a number I of times. I that all the time. Where, where you became a person and another one. And Because I always try to stump him. He's what – I mean, look, he's my boss. He's my buddy. But cross-examination, I've watched other people do it. And there's people that do it really well. There are few and far between, but you're one of them. And it is – what I try to do with him, and you see it sometimes, and there's a yeah. Tom Tom Cruise movie where he sits there and he tries to do, he tries to stump him. It's like that's what I try to do with him. So if he's asking these questions, I'm like, well, what if they respond this way? You know what I mean? So I think about those, those things, and I say, well, you know, give a response that then he has to react to as if he's standing there cross-examining her, going, wow, I didn't expect that answer. How am I going to handle that? Because this is just we did a lot of this in this one. It's coming. Snapping. It's coming. What's next? What's next? What's your answer? It's like you just, it, it's got to flow and it's got to it's got to stick with your theme, with your defense, with with you get up there to tell a story and you want yes, no answers out of a person and they hit you with something that is a surprise. You got to deal with that on the fly. And that is a difficult thing to do. And that's why we do what we do in the office. Well, we were sitting there. You brought in some witnesses one day. And I remember at first we were going to record it, but then you're like, we might have to turn it over to the prosecution. What if one of these yahoos say something we don't want them to? And when I got done, he's like, Jerry's like, he's like, you're an investigator. Come on in. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing here. But I sat down, and I'm, it didn't take me long to fall in, to ask questions, to listen to what they were saying. My biggest part on all this and everything that I was doing was just watching and following along with what what what, what is going on around me with the team that, that you had put together here between Bill, between Steve, between Jeff, and just following and listening to their movements. And then I would ask a question. I would get an answer. We'd go different routes. And when we went, and, and you guys had it laid out so great. I 
or so everybody thought. Right. That's and, what then, it was. And, and then we went to just a simple group where we had the focus group. And things that I thought really were hitting home and didn't they didn't care. You know, it's fascinating stuff. <laughs> they didn't care. You know, I, I remember what you just said reminded me of something. And I guess here's my here's the point I'm gonna make when I'm done telling the story. The point I'm gonna make is you don't need to go to law school to help prepare a trial. Right. In, in fact, it may screw you up mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. If you because law school is more nothing short of a brainwashing experience, and and you want to a lot of times I have to I have to say, all right, what is really going on? What is this person trying to say in in real simple terms? And understand human affairs and how we interact with each other, and what is the rhythm of that, and and what what makes sense because. Lawyers often, too often, us included, we, you get you get stuck in what you want it to be, or what you think it will be, or you 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 get focused on one thing and then you lose sight of another. And I, I, there's a problem that is inherent, and that is we have huge egos, and it's really hard to say I might be wrong. Or I maybe there's another interpretation of this that somebody like Jared Blinsky will have that we didn't see, or that somebody in a focus group will have that we didn't see. And I would urge every trial lawyer to let go of that and understand that we are imperfect. You know, it is an imperfect process because we do, we are making decisions based on less than complete information. And having an outsider look at something is invaluable. And the the one of the first cases I ever worked on, I was a the summer after my first year in law school, I was working for Bill Meeks, and it was a big media case. It was a, and I was I was starstruck, right? I mean, I, I saw the kind of production that maybe you experienced here, and I, I remember being at uh, one of the lawyers' houses at ten at night, and we were doing something, preparing something before trial started, and. Bill was asking something about something came up about whether somebody would know an address. And uh, I know one of the other lawyers was like saying, no, that's that's absurd. That person doesn't even know that person's address. And and they don't you know, we're going to we're going to beat them up for that. They should know that address. And I was sitting there on the couch and I I, I don't know if I thought about saying something or didn't, but I finally just like, I don't think that's that big a deal. It was that quiet. And I was like, oh, now you've done it, dumbass. Mm-hmm. Like, who are you? You're the guy who's supposed to get the burritos for dinner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Shut up. And Bill looked at me and he goes, why? Why do you think that? And I said, well, I drove here tonight, and it was the first time I'd been here. I got Somebody gave me the address to get here before you could Google stuff. Yeah. And I couldn't tell you what the address is. I said, I, I, I could maybe come up with the street. But I, I think it's it's perfectly reasonable that somebody would write down an address on a scrap of piece of paper and go there and then not remember Find it, it and throw it, yeah, and not remember yeah. it a day or two later or even a week later. It doesn't make any sense. Mean, in other words, it's something that it would not. If somebody tried to attack me for forgetting that address, I, I felt that that would be unfair, and it wasn't a way to say that I would be lying about I ever went to that place. So if I went to that house and and had gone there and said I went there, but then somebody asked me an address and I said well, I don't remember. I think I, I just felt it would be unfair to blame me for not remembering. It, it didn't mean I didn't go there. I just don't remember the damn address. I wrote it down. And I wrote it down so I wouldn't have to remember. And and Meeks looked at me, 
Well, the other lawyers disagreed. And uh, he goes, all right, skip that then. And I sort of said, all right. So he is open to everybody's input. Well, at, at the beginning, I was just trying to keep as quiet as I could. And then at one point, I'd said something. And I remember you kind of did a pause like that, too. And then you agreed. And I remember there was kind of a feeling like, wow, hello. Yeah, <laughs> well, right. why, I don't know why he's listening to me. But, but then that opened the door for me to get more involved with it. I sat here with you guys 12 hours in a room going over this case, going over things, going over. And then we would go home. And then you would have group texts because we would talk about one situation or one area of the case. And then somebody in the drive home would have something to think of. And we had this group text going and be like, what about this? What about this? And then Bill would say something that I might mention in. And I remember looking at this and it was like one time we're like 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night, been doing it all day. And Steve is still in the group text. And I'm like, this guy gets up at four in the morning. <laughs> I can't believe because usually on the group text there he drops out at like yeah, nine o'clock, right? right. right? He does, you yeah. know, things might continue on between other I people, but he drops asleep. out. Yeah. But I noticed I was like, he's still on, and the next day you're back in working the same thing in different areas of that case. The amount of time and and you do as 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 sucked in as I got by this, you guys got right. You know, I mean, even more and and have had it, and it's the same thing. I was like, wow. It it was impressive. Well, it's it's one of those that I. You, you said something interesting today. I don't mean to interrupt you, but I want, I don't want to forget this thought because it was, it was very. Judge Hogan, when he was on the bench, said something to you before he started a trial. What, he did. How do you put it? Eric and I were going to start a trial. It was a life child rape case. So a guy was accused of raping his stepdaughter, and and. Let me just tell you, everybody's like cringing right now. How do you represent the? There are more false allegations in my humble experience in that kind of case than ever. And this this was, I am 100% convinced this guy did not do this. The allegations were absurd. That was back in the days they would have these indicator lists, like if, if a child were uh. behaving weird, then he must have been or she must have been. It was a bunch of malarkey. But um, I remember Judge Hogan said, from the bench, I want lawyer, I want the counsel on both sides to know that I have done your job and I understand that you have chosen a profession that will shorten your life, a profession that is full of stress, full of anxiety, and is very, very difficult. I am not going to contribute from the bench to your stress, to your anxiety. I am going to work with you and all you have to do is work with me. If there's an objection, please object, ask to approach the bench, and you will have a court reporter, and you can make your record, and I will make a, deci a decision. Uh, I will never yell at you. I will never treat you poorly. I will never scold you unless you, I don't remember how his words were, but it was unless you deserve it. Mm -hmm. um, and it was, it was very, very, it's like you could just, I could feel like, all right, I feel better right away. Mm-hmm. And because he knew and he had been in front of judges who are not like that, who's, who somehow it becomes this fight not only for the case but with the judge or you, right. just, you just feel like the world is against you. I felt that way this time. Not anything against the judge that presided over this particular case but it was everything. And that's what I was getting at, Jared. You kind of experienced that. It's like 
It is anxiety all day long. And I'll be honest with you, this is Steve's case. It's, you know, Steve will tell you what happened in the end, but Steve did the bulk of this this work. He did the hard part of this of this case. He was the one cross-examining. He was the one opening statement. He was the one doing the closing. But it's like you walk into that room and you feel it. You feel the stress from your client. You feel the stress from the prosecutor's side. You feel the gallery that is sitting feet away from you that is victim's family that hate not only the defendant, they hate that you're standing there next oh. to them. You know what I mean? Yes. It's like, and then you feel the stress coming from the other side of the room because the other side of the room is your client's family who is literally, you know, their hands are folded, praying to God saying, please help my loved one somehow. And then you have a all rise. Game and on. this guy walks up to the bench and says, we're here presiding over X. And we are we ready to start a trial? We're going to bring our prospective jurors in. And I got my courtroom rules. And so you got to, you know, he's a master too. You got to follow those rules. And then you have a bunch of people that are taken away from their jobs and their careers and their families, you know, 25, 30 of them that come marching in the courtroom, walking in, don't really want to be there. They're walking into that environment too. Some of them don't want to speak in public. Some of them are worried about their sick kid at home, but they had to go to jury duty. Some of them wrote letters to the judge saying, please let me off this jury duty, please. And the judge said, no. And they're all there going, and now you have to stand up there for a day, two days, three days, whatever it is, keep their attention so that they find that this person, they did not, the state did not prove this beyond a reasonable doubt. That is a hard ass thing to do. It is uh, It is a significant, I mean, it is it's a It's why I love and hate this. Well, I don't watch, love watch. this job. I don't love this job. I don't. I don't love the career I've chosen. I don't like the stress. I don't like being away from my, we stayed- Seven eight o'clock at night in court both days, and I you know my kids asking why the heck were you gone? I don't like that, but it's almost it's like adrenaline. Well, I, I almost I, like I, if, it, I, if you I saw didn't what, do I, it, I you saw miss what, it. I saw what you liked. I, I witnessed you honing your craft as a wordsmith. I watched you perform at your trade. Whenever you're right where you're at right now, you said the jurors are coming and you're about to talk to them. You did that open. What? I forget the name. What's the name? The Latin term? Voidir. 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 Yeah, Voidir. It's French. It's French. Voir. Voir. To see. Dire in French is to, is to say. So you get to, talk, you get to talk to the jurors. You get to see them and you get to talk to them. And I remember, man, that was banging. I appreciate <laughs> it that. Was, you, you, I really... You you put you 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 were laying out, and you talked to them, and you brought them in, and I, I really, as as I sat there, I was judging the jury. Mm. I'm watching the jurors. I'm, this is in your selection. This is in your pick. As I did from the focus group, we had recorded it, audio, video, and as I was, I I sat through it. I was there for it, and then I watched it again. And as you watch it again, as I did there, you, people would. There was a number of people that were saying things, mm-hmm. you know. And then that's, you, just, you, that's the hardest. Then you got about a number of four good leaders, mm-hmm. and then I would watch people's response through their body, through their their hands clenching, mm-hmm. looking down, and then I would see whose followers and who they were following, because when they would follow somebody, that person would start to speak, their heads would pick up, their eyebrows, and they would look at that person. They'd be in. They'd be nodding their head. So then you could start to map out who's following, where they're right. at, categorizing them, seeing. It was just 
as they watched you and as they talked to you, you came across, I would have to say, very well. I would. I mean, I don't know. You've seen him. That's the first time I've ever what seen him do that. What he did to pick that jury, yes. it was masterful. It oh, was. Yeah, it the, was. We're just all just. It was as good <laughs> as I have seen. It was. It I've was, seen a lot. I've seen a lot, and it was as good as, if not better, than what I would have done. So I got. It was. It was well done. And but you have now seen what went into that. All right. So here's the thing. It's like. I don't know how everybody else prepares a trial. I don't know what they do, other lawyers. I've worked with other attorneys uh, a little bit, but never much. I've always done it on myself except for the way I was trained to do it. And the way I was trained to do it was a lot like what you saw, but then I do even more now. I mean, I, I, I do even more. I do these groups and I do different things because I have let go of my ego a long time ago and I've just said... I'm not God. I don't know. I mean, what do I, look, what do you want me to tell you that I, that I have a crystal ball and I can, I can see into people's minds. I can't, I mean, I've always had a good, I think, I think what makes us good at this job is that I've lived a fairly regular life and I've interacted the best I can uh, with regular in a regular way. And I, I don't know if that's quite same. I don't get on my high horse. I don't, I just, you know, I just, I take people for face value. I try to assess. And as a kid, I was always very, very observant because I was shy as you, I mean, I would be the kid in the corner. I never talked, never. And I'm still shy, but I I never talked. I would always just sit and watch. And I would watch people like you did at that focus group. I I, Mm -hmm. I would just sit and watch my parents' cocktail parties at who was talking and what they were talking about and, and who said what. And then who who left for I, I could tell you everything at the end of the night that everybody did because I just watched and I was fascinated by that by that interaction with people mm-hmm. and I think because of our own insecurities we develop empathy for other people and other people's insecurities and, and that makes us who we are and what we're and, and I think if we just if, if we just engage ourselves in that thought pattern as you prepare for these cases that's what gives you the kind of insight that you need to do it well. But that's not even half. Then you have to do the work. Then you have to learn the, the, the case. You have to mm-hmm. learn the facts. You have to learn the statements. I knew who those witnesses were, at least in my head. I had the psychological profile of who I thought they were by the time we walked into the courtroom. I didn't. I, f- I felt like I was a part of it. I and mean, I, I after reading so much and going through and us talking and meeting the witnesses and meeting the families that were involved in this, it pulled me in. But as I, as I would read it and go through it, I always would read it and think one way, the defense side, and then I would think if I was on the prosecution, how would I lean here? Mm. I mean, as I read through it, especially when I first got it all, I was like, wow, I wish I was on the prosecution side. <laughs> um. <laughs> well, that's funny because here's what's funny. We were t- our client, I, I was sitting next to our client, and you know what happens? They call their first witness or they do their opening statement. We get to do ours. But then it's pretty much their show, right? They call their first witness, and I get to do a cross-exam. And this goes on and on and on. And I could just see this look in our client's eye like, oh, shit. This ain't going well. And I looked at him, and I, I put my hand on his shoulders or his back, and I said, dude, you didn't think these people had anything good to say about you, did you? <laughs> right. You know, look what you're indicted on mm-hmm. F1s. You didn't. These are felonies of the first degree. They are offering to put you in prison 
for the better part of the next 20 years. Did you really think that they were going to come in here and be real friendly to you? And I was like half joking, like trying to say, look, dude, man, we haven't had our chance yet. Like, give me a chance here to do something. But I, I remember experiencing that for the first time early on in my trial trial lawyer career where it's like you start to hear these witnesses and you're just like, shit, mm-hmm. this guy sounds guilty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and then, you know, Schmansky said, well, look, we haven't, you know, what do you think was going to happen yeah, here? Right. And it's like, you right. just, you know, it's like, and, and that's right. So the adrenaline, the excitement, the preparation, the days were getting closer and they're getting closer. And you're, you got bills stapling together, folders. We need a folder for them. We need a folder for the judge. We need to make sure we have all of this. And has this been filed? Has this gone through? You got to go run up to the, run up there, talk to the bailiff, get this. I mean, the amount of running around, legwork, filing, putting things together, last minute, getting the photos, making sure that the board's up, having everything together. And then we were like this, okay, tomorrow, you two were meeting up. I was going to pick up Bill. I remember I, I. Got up, woke up before the alarm clock went off. Oh, yeah. It was, you it's know what I mean? He got up at five in the morning. Mm-hmm. I got up. I go, I pick up Bill. We're talking to you on the phone. We've got a box of things. We pull up. We're going around the, the square. We're coming up to the courthouse. I'm pulling in, and I look over, and there are police cars everywhere. <laughs> there are suits. <laughs> there are people with guns. There is one guy, we called him Redbeard, that I know that I know. And we got in that parking lot and I wanted to cry. I wanted, I was like, I, I, I didn't know. I was like, I, I just, I felt that the building is big. It is there. It's, it's, intimidating. It's, it's intimidating. And like I said, then I see a, a van pull up, sheriff's van. Now I'm seeing three guys in cuffs getting out, being walked in. This whole thing's going through and I almost was going to be like this. I'm going to go have coffee. You guys call me and tell me how it's going. Yeah. yeah. But I couldn't do that. Because I'd got in it and know I'm going to finish the job. I'm going to see it through. So then we're walking in. We're walking. You go through the metal detector. I'm like, oh, I don't even know what I have on me. I got like three vapes. I'm dumping into a into a bin. You know what I mean? I was like, I need to take all of these in with me. And and I've got the got the phone in there. And as we're going through, he, the, the 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 sheriff there at the beginning, he's like, he's like, are you a lawyer? I'm like, no. Like, am I not, is it too early for non-lawyers or you know, is, is there, cause I don't know the rules really yeah, or the right. regulations. I've never gone to this situation unless I had to go to that building. Yeah, right. Um, usually you've taken there. Summoned to be there. So uh, he's like, what, then, then Bill's like, nah, he's, he's one of our investigators. He's like, okay, we'll take the phone. He's like, if you go back out your car, he's like, put it in the car. So we walk up there, and this was a really, to me, a big, grand courtroom. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Yeah, so I mean, it's 143 years old. Gorgeous building. It is a gorgeous building. It is, it, 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 and it is. Now I'm standing there, and once again, I'm feeling even more intimidated. So we set up a bunch of boxes. We're waiting for you guys to show up, and then. Bill's 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 setting up. He's going a million miles an hour. He's like, I gotta go talk to Nana, and he's like, Pew. and I was like, I don't think I'm allowed in that room. I don't know if I'm allowed in that room. And now, and Bill had told me we pulled up. He said, "Be cool. A lot of these people are going to be jurors." So now I'm standing. Advice. I'm waiting in a room, kind of acting like I'm reading things on the wall because I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. I felt like it was the first day of school. I'm like yeah. sixth grade. I don't know where my locker is. I don't know what's going on. And I turn around and I see a gentleman that I know. 
that I've ridden motorbikes with that has come into my barbecue. And I know I was told, Jared, don't talk to any of the jurors. I'm like, okay, this guy sees me. He doesn't know why I'm there. He's probably going to be like, are you on jury? You know, he's probably because we live in the same area. And so I'm like, uh, I don't want this guy. He, he was going to talk to me. So I walked down, walked down these stairs. And then I don't know how to get out of the building. In today's age, I should have thought about it. Metal detectors one way in, one way out. I am now lost in this building trying to find my way out. I see a door going to the parking lot because I need to put my, my phone in there. Anyhow, I already got yelled at about my phone. I don't want to get caught my phone in here. So I go to the door. I hit the door. Whoop, 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 whoop. <laughs> I set the alarm off to the whole courthouse. <laughs> so now I'm standing at the door. What do I do? I don't think I paused for one second. I just kept on walking. <laughs> Bye-bye. And I walk out to my – because what am I going to do? I don't have a key to shut the alarm off. And someone's going to come. I'm like, right. And then Looked I'm like this. Like, Where's a ditch well, around then, here? Exactly. <laughs> I wanted a ditch. If there was only a ditch, just one ditch. So then I'm looking in the – once again, there's sheriffs everywhere. There's sheriffs fans everywhere. There's cars with lights on. And I'm like this. Are one of these guys going to run now? Am I going to get tackled? I just set the alarm off there. Must have done something wrong. So I get to my car. I sit in my car. And I'm just now I'm like. And the bill texts me. He's like, where are you? <laughs> Dude. I'm like, I saw a juror that would know me in my car. He's like, I mean, he had, he, he left something else that he's like, I'll be out. Now we're sitting in the car like, where's Jeff? Where's, where, where's Steve? Yeah, where are these guys? Then we were, and then we yeah. get this call and they're like. Where are you guys? We're like, we're in the car. They're like, we're in the room. Yeah. Like, so now, in the freaking car. The now start. I have to walk back in. And as I'm walking back in, I'm like, one way in, one way out. I know it. So as I'm walking in, I don't have my phone on me, right? That's nice. Yeah. Following the rules. You follow that rule. Yeah. Well, the sheriff looks at me and he says this. Hey, next time you leave, why don't you come this way? <laughs> All right. Hey, hey and dipshit. It, and I kind of give him the old nod. Like, Oh, it makes Yo, it gotcha. interesting at least. So gotcha. now we're going back upstairs. Now I'm talking to you guys, and there's one area that I can sit. You need to hand us notes. If you see something, I'm allowed to come up, and but yeah. I can't cross the bar. I can't go inside there. That's not my realm. And we're sitting there. And like you said, they start with the jurors. The judge says his rules, says you know what to pick and go through. And, and I do believe the prosecution started first, yep. correct? Yep. And then uh, first word, last word, always. And then, then, then Jeff's talking, and they asked, uh, "Does anybody here know, you know, who's being charged today? Somebody's being charged. What he's being charged with? Do you know Mr. X?" And the guy I know, he's like, "Who, who is Mr. X again?" So they have Mr. X stand up. He looks and says, like, "No, no, I don't know him." They keep asking questions. A few minutes later, he raises his hand, and they're like, "Yes." He's like. I know that guy in the suit over there. <laughs> so now you have the 12 people plus the substitution, 13 people sitting there that are going to be the jurors. Plus you got another, what is it, like 10, 12 people yeah, like sitting a, on the bench. Like so there's like 24 one. people, 30 yeah. people. But now I know that guy over there. Now the whole jury, the judge, and everybody is looking at me. And the judge says, well, who is that gentleman over there? Well, that's Jared. He used to own Route 62 Barbecue <laughs> in Johnstown, Ohio. And and I am like this. I'm like, okay, and about that time, now I don't know if this is true or not. Like, the, dude, I the, set the alarm off in this the, place the, now. The jury yeah. pool's singling the, me out. The substitution guy looks straight at me. Now this guy's staring at me. And earlier they had been asked, oh, the is, anybody, is there anybody law enforcement? Is anybody got any friends or family that's law enforcement? Yeah, hey, my dad's a cop. I'm actually, I'm at the sheriff. I'm at the prison. This guy was a cop. 
And then now that I'm Jared from Route 62 Barbecue, this guy looks up and now he's staring at me. Now we got this eye lock going on. Everybody was staring at me. What's it going to set the alarm up? Brought my phone in. I wasn't supposed yeah. to. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, boy, this is, I don't know if I could do this job. <laughs> this. So now he says, well, I know Steve Palmer. I was in a task force and uh, he represented one of the defendants. So now I'm sitting there again, just like, oh no, what is going on here? But. I still have my map that I have each seat with my plus and minuses that I will share with Jeff or anybody that wants to listen on what I think who you should pick or who you shouldn't. Yeah, yeah. And I'm going through, and then, once again, if anybody has anything they would like to say that don't want to say it out loud, please let us know. You can come up, come up to the, come to the bench. And once again, my friend raises his hand, and he goes up there, and Jeff, you go up there. And yeah. Then, now, I can't hear any of this. <laughs> What was what was said there? Uh, he was basically just wondering if you were a witness. Okay, like, he's like, is this guy going to testify? Because I don't think I can do this if he's going to testify. And the judge just reiterated, like, th- the lawyers have asked for something we call separation of witnesses. That means anybody that's going to testify cannot be in the courtroom unless they are, at that moment, testifying. So he's not a witness. He's and the guy was dude. just like, dude, I don't know if I can do this. I just want to be fair. Da, da, da. I mean, he's just rattling off and judge is just like, sir, that man is not a witness. He's not, you're not going to hear from him. And so he's like, okay, I think I can do it. And so that's, that's my first day in a you know, trial court. And as much as that got to me, I'm thinking these guys do this all the time. Look, I don't care how many times <laughs> you do it. A jury trial is a mother of a thing to yeah. do. I mean, it is a it is an enormous endeavor to undertake. It is a it is stress. It is emotion. It is work. It's exhausting. I mean, everything about it is. It's like a fight that doesn't ever end. I mean, it just it, – yeah. it, it's like – it's like it's, it's like unfair a little bit because you're like – you come in there and you want to paint a picture. I want to paint a picture for this jury. We have a strategy here. We have things the jury wants – that we want to introduce so that the jury can see this man did not do what they think he did. And this is why. Let me show you X. Let me show you Y. But it's like painting that painting, saying paint a house, and somebody's moving the canvas constantly. Because it's just like the well, judge can say, approach counsel. I'm not going to let you introduce is, that. And it's like, well, that, that wait is, a minute. That is where I got blown away. That was a key that, piece. The amount of work that was still ahead of you, like to a point for some reason, I thought that you guys had done the work. I had no idea that those four weeks were not even the start. Right. Well, it's interesting because I wonder often that if I'm better at this, because of ADHD or all this other, it's like if you've had to live a life of chaos, then Welcome you're, home. you're better equipped. But you have to do it in a very prepared and orderly fashion mm-hmm. because, you know, we can prepare all we want. It's sort of like a, it's like if you've ever read The Art of War, it's an old, I think, Sun Tzu. Anyway, mm-hmm. it's like you can prepare all you want and you should. If we didn't do those four weeks, imagine going into oh, that. Oh, my. And you're just reading this crap on the fly. And, and there, I hate to say it, there are people in my profession that do that shit. There are people that do not digest this material because it's not just knowing it. It's not just knowing this, like, sort of what they said. If during that, it's already gone now. Some of, it's already, some of it may still be in my head, but most of it's already gone. But when I was doing that trial, I knew that on page four of some statement, what was said. Mm. I knew... 
not only what was said, I know to whom it was said, and I have already thought out, and you didn't see this part of the work going on. This is what goes on in the middle of the night with me. I had already thought out if she says no, or he says no, I didn't say that, then where I can prove it, how I can prove it, what rules of evidence let me prove it. And then I've already thought out beyond that, what if a judge doesn't agree with me, what do you do then? Mm-hmm. Then I come up with another theory why I think I can do it. And I have done that almost ad nauseum to the point of making myself exhausted and sick with just about every question or every topic that we discussed. So what you saw was when we were preparing, like these little things that we did where you would assume the role of a cop or Jeff would do that to me and I would do that back. It's like I'm already thinking to myself, if what if the judge says, no, you can't do that and the judge is wrong? And I'm already thinking – all right, if that happens, then we have to do this. If that happens, we have to do this. If all else fails, we're just going to have to argue it this way. Mm-hmm. And I, I've already gone through a hundred different possibilities on a hundred different things in a hundred different ways. And it's, it is exhausting. And here's what's crazy. You saw some of us prepare for these cross-examinations. Were, were any of them what we prepared for? In my opinion, if you hadn't done that, absolutely. But it's never. It never no, goes. No, no, it's, it's not. As no, you would, think no, it's gonna no, go. no, yeah, no, you know no, I mean? no. It's it like was, it wasn't close. Yeah, it's it was. Just, it was. It was. It, I kept getting. I was just. I kept like you said. Whenever things were getting suppressed and things were getting hold back, I was like, "What do you mean you can't use that or you can't say that? You can't do that." That's, that's that was part. Of, that was part of the strength. Yeah, yeah. That was. I just. You got I do to remember we had that first we had a first good break after a couple witnesses were called on the first day. Yeah, and it was and hot. It was in hot that room, and yeah. I didn't think it was going that well. But I always try no. to act as if it's going great. You know what I mean? I, I definitely feel like a huge strength to a good trial lawyer is being comfortable in uncomfortable places, and just you know, you've told me before, you just got to act like you own that place. Like anything that goes against you, well, it was supposed to go that way, and you're not going to be frustrated by it. But you came up to me. And you were like, how do you think it's going? And I was like, I think it's going really shitty. <laughs> no, I, I mean, was like, I, with a smile, I like, said, I do too. <laughs> I, I do too. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I, and I, you know, but it's you funny. never know. It's like, that's the waves that you, that you roll through. Some, in a of the, if, some of the best work I've ever done in a courtroom is when it's going in a direction that I didn't expect. Some of the best work is when it does. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, but you saw cross examinations. Well, here's what it is though. It's like, we prepared a certain way for a cross examination of their key witness. And the prosecutor actually did a very good job. He did. Great job. Of disarming a lot of what we were going to do. But I had already thought about it. I mean, believe it or not, I had already given that thought. I had already thought, well, if I'm the prosecutor, what would I do with this witness? Mm -hmm. I would take this witness and I would clear up all these problems in a way that may not be perfect, but it's enough that if I get up there on cross – it sort of defangs it. Yeah, the sting, the sting's been taken out of it. So I had in my notes areas to cross-examine this person that had nothing to do with that stuff. You know, that's what – it's like the, the no-answer questions where it doesn't matter what the answer is or the witness has no good answer for them. Right. And and then there's the other stu- the other things that you really, really need to get out and you have to plan like five steps ahead. It's like a chess player who knows the whole board and they know what's coming later and you got to do this later. You want to set this up. So we just did a bunch of that. And, and what I saw, what I knew, what I perceived to be everybody else thinking that, th- that the cross-examination didn't go very well 
or actually, I don't even know if it, I don't even know what it looked like, but I knew that I did what I needed to do. No, there was nothing that I, think, no. I thought you did wrong. What I was getting at is. No, no, no. I, what, it, what I mean, it didn't do what, we didn't get to do the cross that we wanted. No. Instead, it was very methodical. Yes. It was very sympathetic, but it was also very direct. Some of the time, like after when we talked, you, you, he, it's like a chess game. Because you were thinking five steps ahead. You were asking specific questions at times, knowing, hey, this is going to come up in three witnesses from now. And when the judge says, you can't do that, I'm going to be like, no, 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 no. Back at that last witness, I specifically asked, buh, 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 buh. And the reason I asked that was because if her response was going to be what she gave, now I get to ask it of this guy. Because that's what the rules say I, say I can do. And I was thinking to myself, I was like, oh, I never really thought that far ahead before in a trial like that. And that is where – that's where the 3 o'clock in the morning staring at the ceiling crap really Well, it's, it's experience to too. I mean I've been doing it a long time and it's experience. And, you know, my dad taught evidence for years. And I learned one thing is that I have gone through the painful exercise of taking a sample like direct transcript. Right. You told me to – yep. I've gone through this exercise of taking like some, something I didn't even do. And then go through each line and write on that a rule of evidence why that is either admissible or not admissible with an analysis, like for 100 pages. Each I, one, why it's admissible or not. So you have to do it for both ways? I've done it both ways, yeah. Mm. So what's your objection is objection system for each line, right? And if you do that enough, it becomes second nature where you, it's not just knowing the rules but understanding how they fit into the setting that we were mm. in. So when you're asking a witness like, look – you said this, or you just testified this, and the witness says, yes. And when you told so-and-so that, you said something different. She says, no, I didn't. You didn't specifically say to the police officer that the light was red. No, I did not. Okay. Right? So I could go. I could try to bash that fish a thousand times and say, yes, huh? Yes, huh? Yes, huh? Yes, huh? Yes, huh? Instead, I get the next one. And you also discussed this topic. Yes. And you told that person then this. No, I did not. And that would be different than what you said today. Yes. Go to the next one. Go to the next mm -hmm. one. Just do them all. I didn't know if they were going to be important later, but a lot of them were. I and didn't know if you picked up. I thought you were kind of doing it on purpose. And I was thinking, laying in bed at night kind of re rehashing and reliving everything. The exhibits started going sideways for us. We had, a, we had a lot of exhibits that we possibly wanted to introduce and the judge was not letting us do that. I noticed, and I don't know if you did this intentionally or not, but you started to mark the exhibits and almost put the exhibits in the line, this line of sight for a jury. Not that they could see it, but that you were waving it around and looking at it as you were questioning and then they'd object and the judge wouldn't let it in. And it was kind of like... Oh. And it happened so much when I was thinking at, huh. at, at the end of the day, I almost feel like to the jurors that might have come off as, wait a minute, this guy got to present all the evidence he thought he had and nobody stood in his way. Now, every time this guy gets up here and he's got a piece of paper that he thinks is relevant to the case, he can't introduce objection. it. Objection. 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 And I then you guys like got to walk them up a little to the, bit. And it, well, it, it has to because that now, you, first you did day, on purpose, of course, right? Yeah. <laughs> and as I was watching the jury. Of course I did. Right? Yeah. I mean, that's what you do. Like it, it, was, it was a hot day. The building's 143 years old, so it's not the best in the AC department. Yeah. And so you've got to take a break. 
your 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 question does the witness send there something and it's like when you're telling a story like you said like how you said in the canvas movies you're telling the story and then somebody cuts in and you got to stop and you got to take a break now you walk you would walk up now you're talking to the judge nobody nobody knows what's going on nobody can hear it so now they're sitting there okay so it just took a minute there now you guys walk back continue then you would say something else objection and i was like how long is this going to go on? You were not, he, you kept having to stop what you were saying, stop the questions that you're asking. You had to go up front every single time that after a while that you kept walking on the bench, the jury would just. Yeah, like just let us hear. They hate it. They're just leaning their heads yeah. back and they're like, I think it hurt him in why the do I we do. have to stop all the well, time? And here's the other part of trial work that is undefinable. I know when we're at a, that certain things I want to do are going to be interrupted. A fight, yeah. And I also know that the judge is not going to let me do it. So now I'm playing this game in my head. All right, how important is it? Do I need it for the court of appeals? Should I lose this trial to get to argue yeah. that the judge made mistakes? And if it's not in the record, if I don't do it, it's lost. It's never happens. Yeah. So I've got to make, and then I've got to weigh that against. All right, the trial's really not going that badly. Do I want do I want to interrupt my story to do that? And if I, I guess the best advice I give new lawyer, new trial lawyers is yes, always make your record. Make a record, yeah. You don't get to make those decisions the way I made them that day until you've been doing it for no, a long time. I, I didn't mm. until I, I didn't. I, at first, I did not was not aware of what you guys were doing. Then you'd take you would you were logging in, going through for an appeal case. So if this one doesn't go right, we have everything laid out. Mm -hmm. Why did it not go right for you? Well, we wanted to bring in this, 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 and, and for this. this reason, for this and, reason, for this and, reason. And, yeah. and it got turned away. So now you've got that logged in, logged in. The more you log in, the better your fight is going to be to get it retried. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and I don't know if I'm right or wrong. This, you this, absolutely this, this, are. this is my observation. But there's also an art form to that, which is you heard, if you heard how I made those arguments to the judge, it was not – I wasn't being a dick. I wasn't even being indignant. No. I was very methodically stating to him and not backing down from him. But I was methodically stating, you're wrong. Here's what the Constitution says. Here's what the rules of evidence say. I am proffering this for the court. And then I'd get interrupted. And I would look at him, let him talk. I'd say – I'd go right back to it. Mm -hmm. And then by the end – he didn't let my crap in. Still, he still made bad decisions in my or dis, I call them bad way, decisions I disagree with uh, from a legal standpoint. But I was allowed to make my record without getting interrupted by the end because mm -hmm. I, I wasn't going to get pushed around. And it's interesting because I, he was nice enough sometimes, mm -hmm. and sometimes not. But I think the key is I try. I'm human, but we always try never to take the bait. It's like, don't start screaming and shouting. Yeah. Don't get in that fight. It's not going to get you anywhere. Because the jury is watching. Yep. And if I am making a methodical approach, and like Jeff said, we act like, all right, I can't do this. I'll move on to the next thing. And inside you're thinking, well, that really fucking sucks. Yeah. <laughs> That was going to be I, the way I started my closing argument. <laughs> I, I watched, but you I, saw Steve start to cut off the objections, and the way he did that was, people were saying, 
Well, he said, she said a lot. And it was like, objection. I mean, just jumping up. So you kept saying, without saying what you heard, what did you see? So he could just keep telling his story and not continue to just grab objections out of it. And there would be objections. I wanted what was said And they slipped through. They would slip through. You noticed that. Yeah. And and, And there was was times I didn't start the questions that way because I wanted it out. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you look over like, how can I control what they're just saying? That's not really the question I asked them. They're just saying, then that's what you'd be like, okay, hold on. So they don't have to say object. What did you see? Yeah. What did you, you know, yeah. don't tell us, don't tell us what you thought. Don't tell yeah. us what you, and, and, and you mapped it out through. But then I noticed when they took lunch, when they took, a, you know, we're taking a recess, we're, we're taking these breaks, that a number of times you guys had a project going to where I see next thing I know, Bill, Jeff, Steve, sitting down, you got a laptop up, you got on your phone, you got, you got, you got the, the written down law books. So you guys are, you guys were writing a report. It was like, we have a report to turn to the judge. Proposed jury uh, yes. instructions. Yes, With, within minutes. And we got to find somebody in the courthouse and, to print it for us. Yes. We got to file it with a clerk. And I'm sitting there, and then you gave me a pad, and you're like this, highlight this. You know, you're like, go through there, highlight what Mr. X said on this, you know, just what we need. And now he handed me this empty thing here, and I'm like, he's, it's all going to start back up here in a minute. I mean, it was a yeah, rush. Looking it was clock, on, like, I'm looking at the clock. I'm like, yeah. I'm supposed to highlight the right stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like this. Steve was like, like I was saying, cheese sandwich, yeah. Jared. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. But you notice, I, I'll never lose my cool. It's like, all no. right. I, and I knew what I was – it's like I, I watched that for a second. I watched what was going on. It's like, all right, Bill scrambled on that issue. Jeff scrambled on that issue. And I, and I was thinking to myself, all right, we got to get through this. And right on the heels of that is going to be closing argument. I need to know certain things that are in that transcript so I can use them. So I just said, just go highlight everything that was said here. And I just knew that if that were done, I would have it and I wouldn't have to worry about it. And and I had read that transcript. And then what does he say? Steve goes, times. I'm going to go to my happy place before this closing argument. Yeah. <laughs> he just wants well, to shut everybody out. Nobody talked to me for a couple minutes. No, and that yeah. was, like, that yeah. was on day two. Now, on day two... I walked in feeling much better. I parked my car. I was no longer scared. I was no longer nervous. I, I walked through the metal detector. I went in there. I'm walking around. I remember at one point in time, I'm highlighting stuff. And Jeff, you looked at me you're like, I can't believe you're over here. Like, if the bailiff comes in, Jared, uh, <laughs> because I'm like sitting down at this table here where I'm, yeah, I guess I'm telling on the other side yeah. of the bar. But, right? but the same the, bailiff, which by the way, totally cool guy. Totally cool totally guy. Cool. He, he did come in, totally didn't say cool. anything to me. Yeah. He was really respect. I mean, he was, he, but I have to say that I had a, I like to drink sparkling water. I drink sparkling yeah. water like crazy. I had a can of that in the courtroom and he's like, you better not let the judge see you with that. No cans in the courtroom. So I'm like, no, 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 it's water. He and like, he's like, no cans in the courtroom. I'm looking over at Steve's doing his closing argument and I just see this huge little dipper in his mouth. I watched him, I watched him do it the whole <laughs> two days we were there. This huge. I was like, well, tobacco's permitted, but sparkling water in a can's not. Uh, then at the end, I'm not sure nice why. Nice guy, though. I, I'm not trying to totally be him up. I sat, really cool guy. I sat in the same place throughout the whole thing, and it was in front of the door, so anytime the judge would go to his chambers, everybody stands up, he'd have to walk literally one foot in front of me. The juror, jurors would have to go to the jury, and they would all have to walk past me. Just think which, about tripping him. Which my, no, my one guy, he wouldn't look at me. <laughs> Every time he walked by, he had his head down, and I feel he's a great guy, Terry. I was like, sure, he looked for him at Troyer's the other day. I was like, if you see him, you know, I mean, just, just, just I'd love to talk to you him. Know what yeah. I mean? Yes, definitely. So we the, get. By the way, the first, I, the first time that I saw you that morning, and you came in, you're like, hey man, 
I think I got a juror I know. And he's like, that guy's two pounds of chicken. Right there. <laughs> well, no, that in. wasn't the juror. Oh, that's that guy, that's, that, that guy works at the courthouse. He's like the liaison. I'm like trying He's to like, like, I'm like, all right, I got to give this, I'm going to give this water here in a second. And I'm, I'm like, looking at my notes and, and I'm like, two pounds of chicken. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, that was me, man. I was trying to give you a break because no, I was sitting no, next I to you. You it. had your notes your and you, there was nice. you, you were involved in it. You were sucked in and yeah. I didn't want to do, I didn't want to lead. I, I did though. I was like, I, I, I was like, this probably isn't appropriate. The man's working really hard, but. I might as well break it up. I was like, see that guy over there? Two pounds of chicken. That's great. See, you need that. And now he's like this. He's like, that guy's two pounds of chicken. What? (sighs) All right. Every every time he goes in the barbecue, two pounds of chicken. (laughs) Yeah, you know, you got to experience – I I wish more people could experience it because I think people get a TV impression of it or they – I guess wow. it's like it's like you talking know, the judge, to and the judge started out with that when he was talking to the jury. He was like, "This is not television." See, I didn't mind and saying television on not, this one. No, of course, this one was kind of television to me. Well, yeah. the story and that's why was, I hate being like think of television. You well, know I, I guess what I, what I you know what I'm talking about though. It's like no, the, I'm the just talking about the time. Side, like I mean, come on, in, the no, breaks, no, you know what I mean? Usually, I don't want that in. Yeah. Usually I say, you guys realize this isn't going to unfold like you see on Law & Order. I'll say that in my voir dire. This time I was like, I don't care if people think that. This is a Law & Order story. It's oh, crazy. This, it was weird. Was, it was, you know was what I mean? Yeah. It was just, it was I don't nuts. mind if you're thinking that way. It was nuts. In the focus group, you know, we went through, there's a couple watershed moments in this trial. And there was a time when they were done. The, the state rested. And Jeff and I were driving home. And I was real quiet. And I was like, we need to just close this case mm. right freaking now. Well, you called me in the morning, and you just got a phone, I do believe, with Jeff. Oh. And you're like, what's going on? I said, well, Bill's picking me up this morning. I was like, I'm waiting out here for right now. And you're like, what do you think? And once again, I got kind of dead like, me? Yeah. Right. Uh, no, no, no. You know, I, but, I then, but then I opened up and I said, here's what I think. I said, I think the juror, the, the female that sits number three there, whenever you say things like this, she leans forward and is really listening to you. This guy over here, he's snoozing half of the time. This guy over here is doing this. I think that they feel this way. I felt this way. This is how the prosecution made me feel. I was kind of like, in my mind, I was putting myself to be a juror that you could talk to. Mm. I, I, have, I learned a lot, too, because your involvement in this, it gave us insight that we – Again, that we don't normally get. Take it when you get it. Yeah, yep. and, I'll take and it, it from was, anybody. It was. It helped. I mean, it helped tremendously, and it, it made me think different about trial work in this one because well, we never really brought on somebody that isn't like a. We have our own investigators and stuff like that, but they've been investigating cases and working with defense lawyers for years. Yeah, they're too close. You know what I mean? It's like you. A lot of times, it's like when you were sitting on that couch and you threw your two cents into Bill, and he said, "Huh, that makes sense." It's like there was a lot of those moments in this. And you know. this, this, we, we get to this point where we have to decide. We've got four or five witnesses that we want to call. My everything in my being was said, do not call a witness in this case. <laughs> what did I say to you? You're pulling in your house and, I, and you said, well, I have to think about more and figure out what to do. I was like, you know what to do. Yeah, and you John, know what you want to do. And he's like, you know what you want. And I was like, you're yeah. right. I do not want yeah. to call a witness. I got up at 1.30 in the morning staring at the ceiling like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And then, then I started to think. I was like, you know, it's funny. Then I, I, I get off on these crazy no, no, thoughts. Now explain to people, why do you not 
the case is rested. The, the state is rested. They have called their witnesses. They say, we have no more witnesses. Defense has their time. And here's the- Why do you rest? Here's the irony of it, because- Rest means we're not calling the defendant. We're not calling any of our witnesses. We do have witnesses. Argue it. Do we, we just right want to step argument. into closing argument and, and argue, or do we want to call witnesses? Here's What's the what, benefit? I couldn't even decipher what my why my gut was telling me that. It took me a long time to figure it out. But then, I and, and I remember on the way out of the courthouse that night, I looked at all three of you and I said, "We're going to call these witnesses, and it's going to go shitty." Mm-hmm. And everybody just looked at me like, "What are you talking about?" I was like, "Just trust me, it's going to go shitty." I just my I know, I know, because the things that we could do were very limited given what the dynamic of that courtroom was. Yeah. And I, on the other hand, there were things that if we were really going to make the arguments we wanted to, we needed those witnesses and the things that the focus group needed to hear to get to those two words, not guilty, came from our witnesses. Mm-hmm. And I knew. And there was no other way to you get You asked it. me, you said, what's your opinion? I said, well, Steve, I said, I'm kind of torn. I was like, because I believe that you could rest and you give your closing argument and be able to tell a story and craft it right. I said, but can we bring just this one witness in? And you said, we bring them one, we bring them all. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, so that's how that goes. I was like, man. I said, I really think we need something from this one witness. Mm-hmm. And, and let's do lawyer talk here. It's like. The, the the state has the burden to prove the case beyond a reasonable doubt, which means we don't have to present any evidence at all. They have to prove it beyond a reasonable doubt. So the advantage is we don't expose ourselves to witnesses that clearly want to testify for their family member or friend or colleague. That's why we're calling them. They are going to say positive things about you likely, but they also are going to be subjected to the state or the prosecutor's cross-examination. Well, and beyond that. We had the the way that case unfolded. It, it's almost like it, it's it, it, I'm a sucker for this every single time, and mostly because it works a lot. But I watched what happened in that courtroom. We had prosecutors who were working overtime mm. to keep evidence out, to keep information away from the jury. If I am noticing that. And so is the jury. And I asked, I was like, how can the 911 call be hearsay? Well, in, in, but, but, but when we made that decision, when we had to make this decision, the 911 had not been played. All right. So he, he, I, know, I haven't shared my thoughts on this yet. So at that point, the 911 hadn't been played. The other bit of evidence that we were relying on that was later excluded had not been offered. A, a, a bunch of other additional sort of tidbits of information that we could bring had not been offered. All those things were good for us, and all those things were typically the things that the prosecutor would present, okay? So I'm sitting there in a courtroom, and they rest, and something in my gut says, what the fuck? Mm. And, I, you know, we, I try not to swear on this anymore, but I was, it's like I had this 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 sort of emotional response to that beyond the case particularly because it's offensive to me. And as I told Jeff on the way home, I said, I, when, I, when I pulled my driveway, I finally, I said, you know why, why I want to close this? Because I can believe in this argument. And the argument is we have a system of justice here and they're supposed to do what's right. Everybody here said they want to get to the truth. Everybody here said we are doing this so we can figure out what really happened. 
and you can't figure out what really happened when the one entity whose job it is to bring the evidence into a courtroom and prove it has avoided doing that, has only brought in the stuff that they perceived good for them and worked overtime to keep the other stuff They out. were blocking the truth. Cherry pick. Yes. That's what they were doing. They were blocking the truth. And that's not fair. And, some, and anybody who knows, I have a don't tread on me flag, right? And it's not because I'm a crazy militiaman, but because I, I, I believe in this notion that I, I, we want to we – have, we have developed this perception in our country that we trust the government to always do what's right. And they didn't because I, I fundamentally believe that if you're going to get to the heart of this case, you don't exclude. Now, I'm not asking them to bring the evidence that, that my defendant may have created. That's not what we were doing. This is stuff that – this is a 911 call. <laughs> yeah, right? that's yeah. Not, this is what I, was, I mean, this is their evidence. Well, I mean, and we're not beating up the, the prosecutor's team here. I mean, no. evidence is, is imperfect, but I believe they believed – in their case, like we believed in ours. They believed in their case. And that this later formed the basis of my closing argument because it dawned on me. They're not doing it because they are blinded by the fact that they believe in their case. And blinded may be a word that implies too much negativity on it. But they, they, they were clouded by that belief because they're human. And I thought to myself when, when I was deciding, do we present that evidence or do I just turn around and say, what a bunch of BS. They have given you half this case. I intended it. And I told you on opening statement, ladies and gentlemen, I was go- you were going to hear this. You were going to hear certain things. And instead, we have rested. We have closed. We're done. And the reason is, is that they still have an obligation. I have no obligation here. I don't want the obligation here. I don't think it's fair that I have to be the one pushes play on a 911 call. I don't think it's fair that I have to be the one that brings this other witness into a courtroom, their witness by all rights. I don't think it's fair that I have to be the one that does all this. And half is not fair. You can't give half the ingredients to this and expect it to work and then make that argument. But then you and I talked the next morning and I was thinking, you know, we spent a lot of time preparing for uh, that focus group. And we spent a lot of time wondering and worrying and getting ready and then hearing from them things that we had not considered. And one of the things that we could that we had to do for that focus group to say not guilty was was what our witnesses could bring forward. And I just thought to myself, as I was driving in, I, I, we had this well, conversation. You, you, got, you, you ended it. You were in the middle and you're like this. Fuck it. We're calling the witnesses. Got to call the witnesses. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I went through this assessment. I was like, you know, it's like at Gettysburg. It's like, and I told you, it's like, look, at Gettysburg, maybe they decided they had to send out this flank instead of that flank. They had to change in battle all the time. And then I got to thinking, I was like, yeah, but you can, you know, you, you have to trust your intelligence. You it's just, the old golf term, man. You have and to. I, I hate to bring it down to brass tasks, but you, when you're in between clubs and you don't know, it's like, oh, man, maybe I should have seven, maybe I should have eight. I don't know. Oh, I'm going to go with the seven. Well, good caddy's going to look at you and say, that's fine. Swing it and trust it. So you're going to make that call. You got to trust follow it through. and you got to follow through. Yeah. Well, and that was it. I did not know the, the 29 and I got to learn that. And yeah. as we're sitting there and you guys were went from rule the judge, 29, rule 29. Yeah. And you were stating that after they had gave their case, they had laid it out. You had stated that their case did not show the charges. 
and and it was a friend. You guys, once again, you guys were looking up and pulling other cases and pulling, and you had all of this, and you go up there in front of the judge. And I remember he had this big book of laws open, and he's reading through it. And then he goes, what did he say? Because once again, it was kind of quiet to where I was sitting. But he says something about, I think the legislation wrote it wrong, and I believe that it's still, he slaps the book shut. Like, like you guys I believe were, it's still a crime. He was like, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. He's like, oh. He was like, he was like, you guys were right. Yeah. You guys were yeah. right and you were there and you had and you had a whole thing to permit and to show him that this is what they brought. This is what they brought. This is what they brought in. And that proves all of this stuff. But this is what he was charged with. Yeah. So yeah. and he was like and he looks through it. And he's like this. And I remember he, he just had that whole big book slapped it shut. He was like, I still believe a crime been committed. So, nope. We will continue on. Going forward. And, mm-hmm. I, and, and that's when I realized how exactly powerful our judges are. I realized that before in the morning, the first morning, they're bringing in some people that are changing their plea from not guilty to guilty. Most of them are already incarcerated. Sits down, and the prosecution says, we recommend two years. And he looks through and says at the end, four years. Mm. The next morning, we recommend three years. Five years. Right. So you know. And I'm like this. I'm like, this guy, he didn't let up on anybody, didn't even give what they recommended. The prosecution is saying like, yeah, we're happy with two years. And he's like this. Nope. I'm going to add another three to it. So then I'm thinking. Well, it's good in a sense, too, because he can go the opposite way if he wanted you know what I'm saying? I'm not saying it's no, going to happen in that courtroom. No, no, he but can. That's, we no, he have can. judges with no, he can. discretion. That is, that, that is exactly it. Yes. That came down to but a this very goes back big to bonus said. for me because, you know what I mean, it went the opposite way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, you Steve know what I mean? So, so it worked there. And and to be honest with you, these guys did deserve a couple extra years. Yeah, right. I mean, I heard the stories there. I mean, he really well, was that's the funny thing. We can bash him and say, well, yeah. why don't you just go along with the recommendation? No, but when not, you hear what happened, when you hear it's what like, happened, I was kind of like, eh, I can see that. He's right. So, yeah, I'm not bashing him, but I'm just saying this is what you have to be prepared for. This is what you do have to anticipate. And if he is willing to say right here that they, whenever he, after the first day, slammed the book shut, that means right there that he he could have let it walk there, dismissed, because you're right. He could have done that. So him slamming the book down, now I'm like this. Well, his five years, ten years on this. Oh, we're, oh, we're double can, digits plus. Doubled, yeah, for yes. sure. So I, I, there's no checks and balance in the judicial system if you don't have a defense lawyer standing there. That's true. There, yeah. That is – So anybody out there it. who thinks otherwise, anybody – see, here's – and you know what? We're just going to jump – here's what happens. We had two crucial bits of evidence that formed the basis of our defense. The judge excluded both of them. I think for – based on an – an, an analysis of the evidence rules that I just fundamentally disagreed with, and I will go to my grave saying I'm right. And it's sort of like, all right, you just got your ass kicked. You just got knocked down. You're in the prize fight. What are you going to do now? You know, it's like we didn't bat an eye. It's like, okay. And uh, I know the client was looking at us like, oh, and, I, and I just looked at him and I said, man, this thing's not over yet. We, we got, just, you sit there, you know, let us do our job. And, uh, when I said I had to go into my happy place, I needed to go in the other room and sort of collect why 
or how, because I knew there was an angle in this thing, right? There, there was an angle somewhere there, and everybody was like scrambling around, and you were looking, highlighting stuff, and Bill's doing yeah, this. Yeah, you just got it. Yeah. And I, I, I went into the, the other jury room, and I just closed my eyes, and I thought about it, and I was like, you know, it's still the same thing as it was yesterday. It is still the same thing, except now we just have to speculate. We couldn't prove it. We just have to speculate. And if we have to speculate, then how can that be proof beyond a reasonable doubt? And if we have to speculate, then why? Why do we have to speculate? Because they didn't bring the evidence into court. And I could still make those arguments and latch on to this notion that they objected to this stuff that sh- that the jury is going to think, wait a minute, shouldn't we be able to see that? And the mm-hmm. only way in my personal belief that that is stricken, take that out. You didn't hear that. Oh, the only yeah. way Unringing that – Well, the only thing yeah. that that is going to work – is that if you get down to close to a hung jury and you got one guy that is saying, they're like, well, no, no, no. He's like, nope, that had to be taken out. You're going to, I mean, would that be really the only way I don't that believe in that, any of that is going to work? There's, there's things we do that strategically, we know there's going to draw an objection, yeah. but you got to get it out there. You got to get it out yeah. there. Here's, here's yeah. what. Because you, exactly. Whenever he, because he said it a number of times. He's like, I was like, how do you take that out of your head? Here's why yeah. it matters. You, should, you can't take it out of your head. Because when you're starting to tally up the evidence for something like a Rule 29 motion, if it has been excluded from the record, it's irrelevant for that purpose. If it has been. Okay. So if you're, okay. In a, if you're in a, on appeal and somebody no, tries okay. to okay. rely on that, then you can't. Mm. But as far as the jury knows, they heard it, right? I mean, yeah. they heard it. They heard yep. it. It's not moments, it, it was never something that you said. It was something a witness said. It was always something a witness said. And like like we said, when we were at when I questioned those witnesses, like sometimes I would because I didn't want to get interrupted in the flow, and I knew that what the question I was going to ask them would immediately make them tell them what somebody else said. I knew the case that well. And if it didn't matter, I would just say, "Don't tell me what they said. Just tell me what you saw when Mike showed up." And she showed up. There was a conversation. Yes. And you witnessed that conversation. Yes. And did you see Mike interject in that conversation and cut off? Okay. Yes. And you watched that happen. Yes. Without telling us what was said, she was cut off. But that was after he had already laid the groundwork for a bunch of objections. Because think about how that looks as a person. Like, wait a minute. The states, he got to prove the case. They're jumping up objecting. And now this poor lawyer is having to say, don't do that. Don't say that. But what about this? Oh, but, but don't say that. Now, what'd you see here? You know what I mean? It's like, it, it goes back to your half the well, picture but argument. But you know what it let me do? So you, you'll, you'll right. appreciate this as a trial lawyer. What, what, did, came, that, what did that let me do as a, as, a, as a lawyer questioning a witness that I'm ordinarily not permitted to do on direct examination? Hearsay came in? No. I got to lead him. Oh, yeah. I got to lead him. We, that, that's those, a good point, and that was that's that is that is years. I didn't of, even think about that. Yeah, and you did you see what happened though? It's like we go up there, and I was like, Judge, I am not telling these witnesses you're a listening character. You're blah blah blah. And I said, I'm doing no such thing. It is not character evidence. First of all, secondly, I did not anticipate that response. I will question these witnesses in such a way as to not bring this, as to make sure they don't make statements like that. So the prosecutor cut me off like five times <laughs> on stuff that, frankly, was irrelevant. Whether they said hearsay, it was, it was not even relevant hearsay. It wasn't offered for the truth anyway, which matters for legal reasons. And they kept cutting it off. And I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to spoon feed this shit, and it's coming in wholesale. So when Mike talked to Kay, he cut her off. Yes. And you watched that happen. Yes. 
And there is no question both of them there were in the room. Yes, together. Yes. And you were having the same three-way conversation. Yeah, yes. All right? That was, the, that was one of the most in, – and in, it was important because she had said she was never in the same house with Mike, never saw him, had never any, anything to do with it, right? So now I just got to spoon-feed it to the witness. I got to testify for that witness, and it was done. Mm-hmm. And you did cross-examine a number of the witnesses that were in today in a previous case. I did. I did, yeah. And, and, I, and I read everything you said there, and – once I'm watching this, I knew so much. I mean, I knew the case. Yeah. I, I knew it. I knew it in and out. I read it over and over, and I read everything. I read everything, and I listened to everything multiple times. And as it's laying out, I would keep thinking to myself sometimes, like, but they don't know this. Yeah, oh, yeah. They don't and know it this. And yeah. it worries you because I'm like yeah. this. And I know right now that we can't tell them that. Well, but yeah. if they knew that. Yeah. I told you a hundred times as we were preparing this, I was like, you're like, yeah, but they said this, this, and, and you know, we have yeah, to no, know all I, this consistency. I, 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 totally, I totally got, whenever you were telling me. I was like, look, man, it's going to be really hard in the dynamic of a trial to bring out those nuances. We have to look at big picture mm-hmm. stuff. So, I mean, I guess at the end, what you had is our case got gutted. We did get the one big factor in that mattered for our focus group, at mm-hmm. least one of them. The other two they came in by implication. And so I, I, I still felt that we had not, that we were okay when we were going into closing argument. I mean, I still felt like it's still there. It's all there. It didn't, it, we just, I had to shake it, shake it off and say, you know, it's all there. Everything that we needed to be done is done. The record is there. We can do, you know, everything we thought that had to happen to make this argument, we can still make it. It's just not as down in your face as we wanted it to be. It's still there. And then I thought, the problem is I can't go up in a closing argument and say that stuff out loud now because it's not in evidence. So it became this really bizarre game with myself how to do it. How close can I go? How close can I go? But I didn't want to go too far because I didn't want the jurors to think I was spoon-feeding it or going too far. But I needed to do enough to lay the the groundwork for what was happening. I didn't want them to – I don't – I don't know. It, it, to me, it was a very short closing argument. It felt very short because I was like, I can't do it was, too much here. I don't. I don't ever like long ones. I don't no. like long openings either. You know what I mean? It's like I feel like people. You can see it in them. You know, you get them. You grab them in the beginning. You grab them with something. And you grab them with something in this opening that you did. But they. What's the old saying? People remember the first thing you said and the last thing you said. Yep. Everything in the middle is probably maybe they retain some of it, but it is. It is hard. And I've been there. Steve was there in this case to have a case laid out where it is, have the time of day it was and two hard days of work, have a victim's family sitting behind you on one angle. The, the Now the courtroom was full of other people that had come to see the defendant and to stand up there and know, I have one last shot to try to convince these people not guilty. Otherwise, this guy's going to jail for a long time. And that was it too. You had the family members. You have to. It's like you had a lot of them that weren't allowed in because they were witnesses, so they couldn't come in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then you'd see them, and 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 they have their emotions, and just you know, down the families and friends, and they're very concerned. Save his life. Save his life. There's a a Brad. Oh, save his life. Oh my gosh. There's there's a a Brad Pitt movie. Troy. You guys ever seen that? No, I have never seen that. Do you remember the beginning of it? The beginning of it. Brad Pitt's character is getting in a fight. And he's, he's riding his horse basically up to this group of all these Trojans that have made a circle. And there's this huge, huge 
man that's going to fight him. Three times his size. And this little boy hands him his knife or his, uh, his sword and his, and his shield. And he hands it up to him and he says, man, there's a big man in there. It's a really big man in there. Whew, I wouldn't want to fight him, sir. And Brad Pitt looks at him and goes, that's why no one will remember your name. I just, it always sends goosebumps up me. And I think about it in those moments when I'm scared like that, it's weird. And I'm referencing Brad Pitt, but you have to have the guts to stand up there and and in your belly and say, I'm going to do what I've been paid to do. I'm going to do what I've been trained to do. Watching Steve do something like that in that close. That's why you keep coming back. You say, I hated every minute of it. There was so much emotion from the emotion that the jury's feeling that's getting leaked into the air, from the victim's side that's getting leaked into the air. I mean, just everything is just lifted up and it's it's thick and it's there and and you feel it. It's electrical. Yeah. And I mean, in the end, there's really, this story was, you know, like you said, it was, Jerry Springer on Law and Order. It was. Jerry it was. Springer on Law and yeah, Order. Yeah, it was crazy. There was, we got there, there, the, there was no real winners, you know, no, in there, the whole was, deal. Well, I mean, there was, there is I mean, there, there is, there's a big winner. But what I'm saying is, is that, I don't know, it just, it was a very odd. It was an odd case. It is. Odd it was case. an odd case. Yeah. It was charged in a way for felonies of the first degree that it shouldn't have been. And, but, it, but the charges were... I guess inflated with emotion, and, yeah. yes. and that yeah. made yes that made them get as far as they did. And you know, we closed the case. I, I don't even remember much of the closing argument. I remember just thinking, "All right, I know how I'm going to start, and that'll just take me through." Mm-hmm. I, I just I, I was like, "I'm going to start with since we have to speculate. I'm going to put myself. I'm going to." I started by saying, "I don't know what to tell you either." And I don't remember if I said that exactly, but I remember thinking, I'm confused too, because I wanted to say because I just got screwed and none of my evidence came in. <laughs> but I, I was trying to say that without saying it. It's like, I am yeah. confused too. I don't feel like we have all the information. I don't feel like you got to hear everything. I don't feel like this, this it, it worries me. It scares me that, that this is what it is, that we have a, we have a situation where they can only bring some of the information and, and say that's good enough. It scares me that the police will investigate. And, and, and I'm not going to blame the police because they didn't get it all either, right? They weren't told everything. So it's hard to even blame them. But you would you would hope that somehow, some way, the great entity, the long arm of the, the state of Ohio would, would be able to figure this out and bring it all into court. But they didn't. And it, and it scares me. And then I, then I thought to myself, folks, it's like, it's okay. Because that's why we're here. Right. You get to do it. This is why we have a jury. This is your job. And it sucks for you that you have to do it. But this is your job. This is why we have jury trials. So when the emotion does take over and the evidence doesn't come in, you get to decide that they haven't proven it beyond a reasonable doubt. This is why we have a burden of proof on them. This is why it's not good enough just to say it. It's why it's not good enough just to just to charge it. It's why it's not good enough just to come into a courtroom and say he's guilty and bang the table. You can't just do that. You actually have to have proof beyond a reasonable doubt that you guys can go back and count on in everything you do. And I don't remember how it went after that, but I remember that I was like, I think that worked, right? Because I, yeah. I told them, and I could comment a little bit on the evidence. I was like, so it, it, it makes yeah, sense. you can't stand that, there and say, the judge wouldn't let me present any evidence, and this no. is BS. 
you basically said that in a very artful way. I just said that's you know wordsmith. Sometimes yeah. you get sometimes, and it was it was the don't trust the government argument in a very in a, in a county and a place oh, yeah. where the opposite is often true. But it, it I, I think we you know the idea was to say it's not fair. They believe something that isn't right, and they're not willing to look at the other side of it, and that's not good enough. It's just not good enough. I couldn't prove to you. It, it bothers me that I couldn't prove to you that he's completely innocent. I think I even said that. It bothers me. I couldn't bring evidence in here and, and done more. But they have the job to do it, not me. And then you can get pissed. Then you look back and it's like when you're sitting over here. Yeah, I like that. Like when you you're in that moment? When you're in that seat right there looking at this, like it's not good enough. You know, and, and that was. Yeah. It was good. I mean, good. it was it was, it was the Dick yeah. Wolf man. He had it. it he had it written well. Yeah. It was came out. But it's written, not I say written. I say written. You had it written in your mind. You yeah. had avenues. You you didn't have a script. You didn't have something you were reading off of there. And then they have sure you go. Just go time to deliberate. And I remember when they had the alternate. He told her. He said, "Ma'am, now I don't think I'm going to need you, but sit around the house. Don't talk about this. If we have to call you in." And she's like, "Okay." If and, the sun goes down, notes. you can talk about it. Yeah, you know, yeah. The sun goes, <laughs> and then. She walks up, gives him the notes, and walks by and says to the defendant, good luck. Good luck. And, and with a smile, and I was I like this. That. I was like, oh. And she was the one I was worried about. Yeah, I liked the what, jury she, except the alternate. I was like, hope somebody gets and sick. She, and she had a smile, looked over at him, and I was like this. I was like, oh, wow. Why couldn't you made it on the main? Because that was, that was something we needed. So then we all kind of get together, and we walk out the front door. And even the bailiff, but everybody, from the bailiff to the, their attitude was this. They're about to lock up the building. And they were like, so if you want to get something to eat, you know, go get something and come back really quick and sit down in a room. And I, the bailiff even kind of was like, not like you're going to need that much time. Yeah, nobody gave nobody us a chance to help. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he was like, yeah, the, no, you're not going to need that much time. So we're like, okay, okay. We run outside, go to the little deli there. We get hot dogs. Mm. We come running back in. We're sitting in that room and we're eating our hot dogs. We're talking. And I remember, what time is it? I kept asking, I said, what time is it? We looked down. And it's been a half hour been an hour once it was an hour and 25 minutes i was like this okay got something then it'd been two hours it was two and a half i think we ended it was it three three hours about three hours then you hear the bell ring man i get you and that bell rang i get you and then i was just like i mean i just another big moment because we had the whole family in this room basically it's the other courtrooms jury deliberation room and Steve had to look at everyone in the family including our client and say here's the deal they have a verdict that's the verdict bell you got two things that can happen you're going to be found guilty you're probably going to be taken to jail today everyone keep themselves under control here's the opposite you hear not guilty well that's all fine and good keep yourselves under control and it's just like you have to give that quick speech and it's like let's go here it is yeah now it's coming and that's that's how it ended, right? Well, so, it, that, that's kind of how it ended, you know. And then, and then it ended. Well, I mean, that's not that's. Well, how that I mean, ended. that's how. So you walk in. Now you're hearing. Now the jury comes in. I didn't look at him. I I, I couldn't. That I'm just. I got Bill him. looked at me and said, "I don't feel good," because Bill always looks at him. And I told him I didn't feel good in our last trial that we were successful. I said, "I'm looking at the faces. I don't like him." And Bill was like, "No, man, I, I like the faces. I like the faces." I didn't look at me, and I was like, "I can't do it." I, I, I just him. kept my head down. Yeah. And then you hear, you know, the judge makes a production of it. 
going through all the forms and the foreman or the four. four it is like poker, though. Yeah, it's like he yeah. stared at him like he's looking at what the answer is. He knows, and he tries it. And I, yeah. I, I had a hunch. And then, so here's here's the backdrop: is there were a felony of the first degree, a felony of the third degree, and two misdemeanors of the third degree. And what you want to hear. Is the is like the the semblance of the first syllable, mm-hmm. nah. On count one, we the jury find the defendant not guilty, and it just you can just hear it float across. And I'm thinking to myself, all right, still could be the F three. Yeah, that's what I thought was going to happen. Still could be the F three. Mm-hmm. On count two, we the jury find the defendant not guilty. And by now you're thinking, well, shit, I don't care about the misdemeanors. Yeah, right. I don't even yeah, care. It's like rock and roll. Yeah. So then you hear the guilty on two misdemeanors of the third degree. And I was thinking to myself, wow. It's like it's over. Like all that work, all that time gets is essentially a win, right? You walk out. Absolutely. We went into oh, enemy it was, territory. It was a win. With Mandatory support. prison time, register as a sex offender. Well, register as a sex offender, mandatory prison yeah, time, double digits, <laughs> double digits. We walked into that courtroom with the bailiff rolling his eyes with the prosecutor. Why are we even coming? You know, he's confessed. Uh, why are we even here? This is such a waste of our time. We got beat around and pushed around and, and screwed with and everything else. And then you hear that not guilty. And I just thought to myself, I can't even say what I was going to do. Yeah, I know what you're going to do. I was just like. <laughs> I thought you were going to drop it. I was just like, yeah. I just, but you just think, all right, we weren't in the twilight zone after all. Because we had done the workup and it was the right result. In fact, I don't think the misdemeanors even, you didn't have a choice. But it's like the misdemeanors didn't even fit it. And uh, I just thought to myself, all right, we, you know, just, it's, it's done, right? I go home that night, and I think we were all just sort of like, what now? You know, it's like we put a lot. You, well, you, we, we, we all walked outside, and, and I had a box. and then we, I mean, you guys brought in boxes upon boxes of your folders, your files, yeah. your evidence, everything that you had, and then I were standing there. And we had worked to build these boxes, put all this paperwork and everything in there. And now we got the boxes, and we're all kind of standing there looking at each other. Not even organized anymore. Just like, yeah, I'll throw that in there, throw that in there. And it's just... And we're standing there, and then it's like, well, all right. Then you said that you were like, lawyer talk. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Off the right. I think Jared said, hey, guys, I got some room to help me fill some liquid or bring some liquid. Well, that was the next day. (laughs) Well, then then we we all get in the car, and and I'll I'll, I'll read it to the world here. Jeff sent us all a group text here. Gentlemen. Was it it Steve? No, that was was, Steve. This is Steve. Yeah, Steve Steve sent this to all of us. Gentlemen, that is good work. I can't thank everybody enough for the work that went into this. I think we got something going now that we got to hang around. The sad part is he's crying in jail. And just remember, we spent 300 hours. We built nothing. We created nothing. And there is nothing to show for it. Now that's after. Let that sit. Let that sit. Your son said something. Yeah, I'm getting choked up to say it. But he um, – so you saw all those boxes. I had one of them in my car. And in that box were my two laptops. I wasn't going to leave those out in the car. So I, I brought my box in when I got home. I sat on the counter table or the kitchen t- counter, and I went upstairs and just sort of decompressed. My kids were there, and I did 
my oldest one I learned about cut time because he's in the band, so I worked on that with him. The youngest is screwing around with other homework. Next morning I get up and I was I was ahead of the game and I got a good night's sleep, I guess, and started to rip out all the notes from the notebooks and put paper clips on them and get it organized and stacked up so we could bring it to the office and, and uh, close the files and scan all that crap in. And uh, I said almost something similar to that text. I was like, you know, Maddie, he goes, what are you doing, Dad? I said, I was putting away my trial. And he knew that we had won. And, and, he, and I said, you know, it's funny. I said, it's a heck of a job I got. I spent 300 hours of time, more time than I can even count. And I, I didn't build anything. I didn't make anything. Like that plane that we work on in the basement, this balsa wood plane, you know, we spend a lot of time on it. You have something. We don't, I don't have anything. There's nothing to show for it except like these papers that are going to get shredded. And I, I was almost like saying out loud to myself, like, ah, what, what are we, you know, what is this? What is it? And Matthew, he just deadpans it, man. He just says, I don't know, Dad. Didn't you save an innocent man's life? That's amazing. It's amazing. You build something. You build something. Yep. We did something. Did so, something. Next time. I love you guys, by the way. Hey, I love you. <laughs> so, no, man, that was great. Yeah. What, what an experience. It was a long one to tell, too, though, wasn't it? We've been yeah. on the phone. That's all right. That was good stuff. So, uh, well, that's lawyer talk. Back to lawyer talk. We're done with the Blinsky Chronicles. We took an interlude from the Lime Scooters, and we'll be back to that. Oh, yeah, we got to hit that. And lots more to come. So, lawyer talk off the record. On the air. Thanks on for the, listening. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm. Here at the 511 C studio. Off the record, on the air, until now.